Welcome everybody to another episode of the Jadava Show, wherever you may be or however you may be listening. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Um, jump right to it. Um, obviously, I've been infrequent with my shows recently because not a lot's going on. Um, but something went on today that really hit home. Uh, and uh, it's the biggest news that's going on in sports today. Today is July 3rd, 2020. Um, a historic day in the NFL. Um, just checking to see if it is really July 3rd. And it is Friday, July 3rd. Um the Washington Redskins have announced today that they will uh, be changing the name of the team. It won't be uh, Redskins anymore. And, uh, you know, this is really a decision that has been a long time in the making. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a Redskins fan. I've been a Redskins fan my entire life. And um, I have watched this team, supported this team, you could argue this franchise is the reason of my existence uh, because of, you know, my parents, or especially my dad, have been very close to the family of Joe Gibbs for well over 35 years, and of course, Joe Gibbs is a Hall of Fame coach who spent all his head coaching career with the Redskins, three Super Bowls, and we're very close with them, and the reason my dad has met my mom indirectly is because of the Gibbs family. It's a long story. You can ask me about it whenever you'd like. But anyway, uh, the Redskins mean a lot to our family. They mean a lot to this area. I live in Ashburn, Virginia, and the Redskins practice facility and headquarters uh, are about five minutes down the road from where I live. So Redskins is everywhere I live, right? I'm 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. The Redskins are everywhere. Um Everywhere you go, people are wearing shirts that say Redskins on it, wearing hats that have the logo on it, the logo of the Redskin, uh, the the uh, chief mascot, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was not calling it a Redskin right there. I was caught up in my words. But the merchandising that has the racist logo and name is everywhere you look. I've got plenty of shirts and jerseys and hats that say or have the logo on it, the word Redskins. Um, and my thing is, I'm not Native American. I don't have a problem with the name because it doesn't bother me, um, and that's how a lot of people are. If it doesn't bother them, then it's not a problem. Um, but I understand why it is a problem, um, for a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of Native Americans, even if there are polls coming out in the 90s and then the early 2000s about the name. And when Dan Snyder was early on in his time as the Redskins owner, asking Native Americans, and basically Dan Snyder went door to door to Native American tribes to, to poll uh, Native Americans to see if they thought the name was racist. Because uh, the Redskins have had their the name the team name Redskins has been around since, I want to say, 1930. It's during the 1930s, right? Um, they chose the name um, in 1933. They were originally known as the Boston Braves, the uh, Redskins. Started as a football team in 1932. They were the Boston Braves. They were in Boston because the original owner, George Preston Marshall, um wanted to have uh, a football team in the city of Boston. There wasn't at the time. There is now, of course, the Patriots. But back then, the Patriots didn't exist. Boston was mostly a baseball town. The Red Sox were very popular. Um, so they formed a football team there, and a professional football team in the NFL known as the Boston Braves, the same team name as the Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball. They were the Boston Braves. Uh, and they originally played in Boston, but then they moved. I don't remember the name of the first stadium they played in, but then, then they went to play at Fenway Park, which at that point was already home to the Boston Red Sox. And George Preston Marshall, uh, as sort of a play um, on the uh, name of the Red Sox, said, uh, well, we'll rename the team because... Uh, of the logo that they had already chosen, 
which is the current Native American logo that they have now, we'll change it from Red Sox, we'll have our name be the Redskins, um, which at the time was still known as a sensitive name as it pertained to Native Americans who had suffered a lot of oppression in this country for hundreds of years. Um, their skin is, has been referred to as red by many people. Um, and so if you ever hear the term black skins, that's a derogatory word towards African Americans. Uh, if you hear white skins, that's derogatory towards Caucasian Americans. And just like you hear the word redskins, it's derogatory towards Native Americans. Um, and so he was to honor, he found some guy, George Preston Marshall, found a guy named William Henry Lone Star Dietz, and Lone Star Dietz, who is debatably a Native American, you can do your research, he found him and made him the first head coach of the Redskins to validate it because he got him to, he got Lone Star Dietz to say, I don't find the name offensive, and then George Preston Marshall, who was a notorious racist in the history of the NFL, um, became validated. He said, okay, Lone Star Dietz said it's okay, he's our Native American coach, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, the logo, the logo for the Boston Braves is similar to the current logo, which is a Native American head and profile with braids and trailing feathers. Uh, <clears throat> um, and there's been a strong, strong opposition to the word Redskins as the team name, based on a personal experience from members of the Blackfeet tribe. Um, and they have expressed a range of opinions. They've sometimes supported it, sometimes a strong opposition, backlash. Whatever you want to say. The term redskin, uh, the historical context for the emergence in the Americas of racial identities based upon skin color was the establishment of colonies which developed a plantation economy dependent upon slave labor. Um, prior to the colonial era, the British identified themselves as Christians rather than white. Um, and so documents from the colonial period indicate indicate that the use of red as an identifier by Native Americans for themselves emerged in the context of Indian-European diplomacy in the southeastern region of North America. Uh, this is all on the Wikipedia page, Washington Redskins name controversy, by the way. Um, so anyway, Redskins, since maybe the 1800s, the name Redskin refers to the bloody scalp of Native Americans. Not the fact that their skin is red, but the fact that their scalps were bloody, based on the term emerged from the practice of paying a bounty for Indian people. So the name is not ever been known as a badge of honor, as Dan Snyder has come out and said. The name Redskins has always been a way of sort of talking about the killing or the torture of Indian people. Um, and it was created by a man named George Preston Marshall, who is a historically racist person. Um, they recently, in light of everything that's been going on, took down his statue um, outside of RFK Stadium. Famously, George Preston Marshall was a supporter of racial segregation he was the last NFL owner to integrate African Americans onto a roster, and he did so in 1962. At this point, he had owned a team for 30 years, and George Preston Marshall drafted was the la the last coach uh, owner to have an African American on his roster. He traded with the Cleveland Browns uh, to get All Pro Bobby Mitchell. He selected Ernie Davis. Um, an All-American running back out of Syracuse as his top choice back in 1962, but Ernie Davis said, nope, I'm not playing for you, and he was ended, ended up getting traded to Cleveland for Bobby Mitchell, who became the first African-American player in the history of the Redskins. Um, and, you know, Marshall uh, was a fan of Bobby Mitchell. He's in the, he's in the um, Redskins Ring of Honor. Um, but between... His death in, six, in 1969 and the integration of African-American players in 1946, the Redskins had three winning seasons in 23 years, in part due to the lack of black players on the team. The black players sometimes were the better players. But George Preston Marshall was so stubborn 
that he didn't want them on the team. So why do I say all this? Dor Listen, the, the name Redskins, I've said it, a lot of broadcasters and people in general refuse to use the name on TV and on the air. Uh, I know uh, announcer like play-by-play -play announcers like Greg Gumbel, uh, Phil Sims, like those guys refuse to say the word Redskins on television, on talk shows. Guys like Shannon Sharp, Max Kellerman, uh, other guys don't say the name at all, but some guys just try their hardest to not say the name. And it's because the other 31 teams, they say the name just fine. You know, or, or, or they say the, those names for the other 31 teams just fine, so why is there one that's not said? You know, it's like, obviously, broadcasters would love to be able to say the nickname for all 32 NFL teams, but one of them is racially derogatory. And it's like you would never refer to an NFL team with the N-word or the term black skins or even white skins, any color skins, but red skins has sort of been the name that everyone's been cool with. A lot of people have been cool with. And it's turned into a political side. And I've told you last episode, I don't have a certain political agenda. I don't lean one way or the other. I see every position. And it became a political issue when mostly liberals opposed the name and conservatives said, ah, to hell with the name. But everybody knows the conservative party is pretty historically racist because of the southern roots that the conservative party has um and the southern uh people are with the majority of their ancestors own slaves and so as naturally the name redskins isn't as offensive to them to me it's I, it's not offensive to me because i'm not native american i don't know to the extent that native americans do how offensive the name is i never have so i can't say one way or the other that there's a certain way it makes me feel. It's the name of my favorite football team. I say it because it's it's a team. It's the name of a football team. And I've always been of the mindset that an NFL team should never, like, worry about their nickname. Like, if you're a fan of the New York Giants and you're a midget, you shouldn't be offended by the name Giants. They're not di directing it at you. You shouldn't be offended. If you're offended, you know, you're kind of soft. Uh, if you're a fan of... I don't know, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, you have distant relatives. Your ancestors were murdered by pirates. Okay, well, they're not directing the name Buccaneers at you. But my thing is, the term Buccaneer and the term Giant are not derogatory terms. If someone's very, very tall, they're a giant. That's a descriptive word, not derogatory. It's not offensive. If I look at some guy who's over seven feet tall, I'm going to say, wow, that's a giant. A buccaneer is a way that is not a derogatory term for pirates. That's just what they were called. Redskins is factually a derogatory term for Indians and Native Americans. That is why you should get rid of the name. I'm always of the mindset, if a name, like, I don't care about team names. They're just the names of a, of a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team. Or a hockey team. It should. It's. It's not that big a deal. It's just the name of a team. But Miles, I also think if it's this big a deal, where people are outraged, people are offended, it's not a big enough deal to just stand pat and be like and ignore it, like Dan Snyder has ignored it for 21 years. At that point, yes, you, you should just save the trouble. And Dan Snyder has been adamant. He did the the Native American tribal tour. And then back in 2013, the name became a big deal again. Everyone's talking about the name. The Redskins should change their name uh, and all this stuff. And Dan Snyder came out and said, I'm never changing the name. You can use all caps. It's gonna, they're, We're going to be the Redskins as long as I'm owning this team. Okay, put it in all caps. We're not changing. And it outraged people. It was an infamous quote from Dan Snyder. And everyone went crazy for good reason. Seven years later, and the team is still the Redskins, and you're seeing people just cut off association. There are players and coaches who have come out and said, I would never play for the Washington organization. As long as that's their team name and their values, then I don't see why I have to be a part of it. Um, there was an old NFL referee, his name is escaping me, uh, Mike Carey. Mike Carey asked the NFL back in 2014 not to assign him 
uh, to any Redskins games because he thought the name was racist. Chris Cluey, former punter for the Minnesota Vikings, said, "Don't I would never play for the Redskins in my life. Their name is racist. I would never, ever, ever wear their jersey. Um, plenty of coaches. I don't want to coach for them. I don't want to play for them. Some players. Greg Gumbel, until he gave in recently, said, I don't want to call any Redskins games. The name's racist. Some people are like that. Some people don't want to associate themselves with something that's derogatory like the word Redskins. I get it. When Greg Gumbel, uh, he called uh, the Redskins-Panthers game this past season, and he said, a game between the Carolina Panthers and Washington. Like, he doesn't want to do that. He'd love to call them by their full name, but their full name is racist. Get over it. If you still think that the NFL is soft because they changed the name Redskins, or that the Redskins organization is soft, or that certain broadcasters are soft, or anything like that is soft. I used to be one of those people. I used to think, okay, Max Kellerman is a snowflake for not saying the word Redskins on TV. Get over it. But now I'm going to say the exact same thing. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be the same thing to people that are offended that they would, that they would change the name. Get over it. If, if the Redskins lose fans over this, fine. They already don't have a big fan base. If you want to go root for the Kansas City Chiefs because they're awfully good, they win the Super Bowl, go do that. Go be a bandwagon. If you can't handle a team changing their racist nickname to something else, then you're probably a racist. It's, it's that simple. It's I'm not offended. I don't care. I think it's a step in the right direction, and I'm honestly just relieved that the Redskins are getting better press because the fact that they're willing to change the name. It's a step in the right direction. Okay, I'm fine without the name Redskins. Okay, it won't affect my life. It's not completely tearing me apart inside. I'm fine with it. The organization has been terrible for the last 30 years, the Redskins. They haven't won a playoff game since 2005. They haven't won 11 games in a season since 1991. Every other NFL franchise has, folks. 31 of 32 franchises have gone 11 and 5 or better in a single season since 1991 except the Redskins. Everyone, Detroit has, Buffalo has, Cleveland has, Jacksonville has, Cincinnati, everybody's gone 11 and 5 or better in the span of the last 29 years except Washington. Folks, for a whole generation of Redskins fans, the word Redskins is more associated with awful, generationally bad football than it is racism. Don't you want a fresh start for the organization? They just fired everyone. They got rid of Bruce Allen. That was a big cancer. They got rid of Jay Gruden. He was a terrible coach. They're about to get rid of their derogatory racist team name. You don't think that was a big monkey on their shoulders? Everybody's talking about it. It's the only thing people that is worth talking about with this organization. It's never their football. They've won three division titles in 29 years. In almost 30 years, three NFC East titles. That's awful. The Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys have two bye weeks, two extra bye weeks a, a season. And we're, like, and we're sitting around thinking, oh, I don't want them to change the name. Why not? Try something. We haven't been good in so, so long. Guess what? When we change the name in the next few months, guess who's going to be on the field this season? All of the same players that we're going to be if we were the Redskins. There's the same players, same coaches. Dan Snyder will still be the owner. Everything will be the same except the name. And, and possibly the jerseys, probably. Everything will be the same. It'll look different on the field because they're, the announcers are going to call us something different and our jerseys are going to look a little different and all the branding is going to look weird and I get it. It's going to look weird. It's going to sound weird. I've been calling them the Redskins all 22 years I've been on this earth. It's going to be strange calling them something else. But look, it's, it's not the end of the world. People are freaking out about the fact that they're changing this name. So what? I've noticed the hardest thing for and Shannon Sharp said this this morning on Undisputed on FS1. If people have a hard time letting something go if they created it. Who created the term Redskins? Native Americans? They didn't. Of course they didn't. Why would they? 
They're not going to make fun of themselves. White people did. Americans did. That's They're the first people to call other people redskins. Black people would like to get rid of the N-word. Who started the N-word? White people did. White people don't want that name to ever go because guess what? They're the ones that gave that gave them that name. That It's hardest to let go for them, not us. When black people say, oh, white people can't use the N-word, some white people are like furious. Why can't I? Oh, I don't know, because it's racist? Because it's derogatory? Especially in the political social climate that we are in as of right now, July 2020? Yeah, it's a big deal. If you're racist, that's bad for business. Dan Snyder's not stupid. He knows it's bad, bad, bad for business to be racist in today's culture. If you're racist, everything's gone. Guess what? FedEx, who sponsors the stadium that the Redskins play their home games in, FedEx Field. FedEx is saying, we're not going to, we, we want them to change the name. We're going to stop associating ourselves with them after our contract ends in 2025 if they don't have the name changed by then. But until then, we're not going to call them the Redskins. They're, they're, they're Washington. That's it. Okay, that sponsorship hurts Dan Snyder. Nike has removed all Redskins merchandise from their website. That hurts the pockets. That's hundreds of millions of dollars that Dan Snyder is losing with FedEx and Nike bowing out. Why is Nike a big deal? Oh, Nike is on every Redskins jersey, every shirt, every pair of shorts or sweatpants or anything. Nike is everywhere in the NFL. It's the NFL's number one brand is Nike. That's, that's at stake. 31 teams have merchandise on the, on the Nike store except for the Redskins. You don't think that's a big deal? That's a humongous deal. Dan Snyder was not going to do... And don't think Dan Snyder's a saint for trying to save the Redskins' name. Or change the Redskins' name, excuse me. They hurt him exactly where it hurts most. For billionaires, for pompous billionaires like Dan Snyder, they hurt him right in his pockets. Right in his wallet, they said... You're not going to change the name? Then we're going to take all this money away from you. We're going to take sponsorships away from you. Certain broadcasters are not going to call your games. Certain referees aren't going to officiate your games. You're going to have a harder time finding broadcasting uh, and, and officiating. And uh, you're, there are going to be players and coaches that won't want to uh, coach or play for you because of the name. We're going to take a lot of stuff away from you, pal. We're going to force you into this. And Dan Snyder was like, oh, no, they're taking my money. Looks like I'll, save, I'll change the name. When money wasn't at stake, Dan Snyder had nothing to lose by keeping the name Redskins except for some bad publicity. But billionaires can handle bad publicity. They do it all the time. Colin Kaepernick's a millionaire. Multi-millionaire. He gets, he gets bad press, he gets good press, but he gets a lot of bad press. But he doesn't care because he's still freaking rich. Dan Snyder is still freaking rich. Donald Sterling would not have cared that he put out that racist statement on video until he got caught. Donald Sterling, he could have apologized a thousand times. He's still a racist at heart, and he still doesn't care if he is or not because he's still freaking rich. No one can touch him. Dan Snyder is going to change the name because his money is getting affected. His bottom line is getting affected. That's the problem. That's why teams should have done this years ago. It's July 3rd, 2020. The season, the Redskins' first games is on September 13th. That is a little over three months away. I guarantee their name's going to be different by the time week one against Philadelphia rolls around. Guarantee it. I have a few suggestions. I've seen momentum for them to be renamed the Washington Red Tails. Uh, and, you know, I like the, the name Red Tails. It'll, it'll take a while to get used to, but the name Red Tails celebrates the World War II Tuskegee Airmen, who were the first African-American military aviators in the U.S. Armed Forces, the nickname Red Tails comes from their planes, which had a distinct crimson tail. Now, that's good, and it honors where we've been in the past, the progress we've made in the past, and where we'd like to be in the future with African-American relations. It would be very big for Dan Snyder to honor African-Americans and the military like that. Uh, I've seen the Warriors at one for about five years back in the early 2000s, Dan Snyder had a trademark for the term Washington Warriors because he was going to try to open up an arena football team in Washington, so maybe the Washington Warriors, but they'd compete, obviously, with the NBA's Golden State Warriors. Um, there's that. Uh, I've seen momentum maybe about the Washington Hogs. 
the Hogs were the term used for the Redskins' offensive lines back in the 80s and 90s when they were winning three Super Bowls. I don't know, but it'd be kind of nice. Um, the Red Hawks, I've seen that. Um, the, uh, someone suggested that they become the Washington Monuments, um, since there's already a Washington Monument. Just name the team the Monuments, but I don't know about that. The Washington Revolution, although that sounds more like a WNBA team. There's look. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of suggestions. It, honestly, if the if our NHL team wasn't the Capitals and if our MLB team wasn't the Nationals, I'd want them to be either the Capitals or Nationals. There is a possibility that they could rename themselves the Washington Capitals, except spelt with an O L S instead of an A L S, like our like the Washington NHL team does. But listen, I just spent 26 minutes talking about the Redskins name. It's going to change. Everyone get over it. It's the right call. It's long overdue. It doesn't affect anything. It affects branding for them. Yeah, you're going to have to get out and get new t-shirts and jerseys, but don't you do that anyway? You were going to do that anyway. I'm ready for the change. I'm ready for all of the years of bad press and constant bashing about the name. I'm ready for it all to stop. I'm done with it. I'm the... This generation, they, all they know the Redskins to be associated with is not racism. It's football mediocrity. It's time for a change. So everyone get over it like I'm over it. I don't care. I'll root for them no matter what their name is or what their jerseys look like. That's my team. They're in my city. So anyway, there are other things to talk about besides the Redskins name change, and obviously we will keep you posted on that. Um... Earlier this week, the New England Patriots went out and signed quarterback Cam Newton, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. It's weird to say Patriots quarterback Cam Newton. But Cam Newton is in New England, and people are excited. And I get it. It's exciting. Anytime a former MVP signs with another team, it's a big deal. And Cam Newton going to New England and being paired up with Bill Belichick is obviously a big deal. Um, it's a good... I think it's a good signing. It's a safe signing. New England probably looked in the mirror and said, we're about to go into our first game without Tom Brady, and we're going to start a second-year, fourth-round pick in Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. And they were probably like, you know what? Jarrett Stidham's thrown four passes. One of them was a pick six. Are we really sure this is the guy we want to be our future? Yeah, I don't know. So they went out and got Cam Newton, who just five years ago led a team to a Super Bowl and was the MVP of the NFL. Yeah, that guy. Now... I think we're still a little bit overrating Cam Newton. His first five years in the NFL were the definition of elite. After his MVP season, I told everyone, Cam Newton is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's the definition of elite. Since that season, four seasons, he's been injured a lot. He's missed 15 to 16, maybe 17 games due to injury because he's always getting hurt these days. And he's about to be a 31-year-old quarterback. Um... Since his MVP season, he is 23-23 and 23 as a starter, 59.6 completion percentage, 65 touchdowns, 44 picks, 6.9 yards per throw. Uh, that comes out to a 16-game average of 3,669 yards, 22 touchdowns to 15 interceptions a season, which are average to slightly below average numbers. Yeah, 22 touchdowns is good, 15 picks a year, and under 3,700 yards. That's not very good. And 22 touchdowns is low, considering the NFL landscape of quarterbacks these days. Uh, in the last four years, he has a worse passer rating and completion percentage than Mitchell Trubisky and is barely better than Blake Bortles. So Cam Newton, statistically, over the last four years, has been a bottom-tier quarterback. Now, it's because he's hurt. I get it. When he had Norv Turner in 2018, before he got hurt, Cam Newton was playing awfully good football. And people were crazy about him saying, okay, MVP Cam is back. And perhaps he was. Cam Newton in 2018, he got hurt during the team's Week 10 matchup with Pittsburgh. Before that game, he had thrown 15 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 67.3 completion percentage, and the Panthers were 6-2. and two and ready to go back to the playoffs for the second straight year. And Cam Newton was awesome. I loved Cam Newton. He was real good for the first half, a little bit over the first half of 2018. Then he got hurt. 
then they couldn't they couldn't win anymore. He lost his last six starts that year before being hurt for the last two games. And then everything changed. Cam Newton only played two games last year, didn't throw a touchdown, and then he got cut, and he's now being signed. He'll play under a contract worth $675,000. $1.05 million as his contract. He's getting paid the same amount as third stringer Brian Hoyer right now. The backup for right now is Jarrett Stidham, who will be making under $700,000 this year on a rookie fourth-round rookie contract. And for some reason, I just I just read you all these things about how Jarrett Stidham or how Cam Newton has not played very well the last four years, and that he's 31 and that's old for a mobile quarterback. He is clearly an upgrade on Jarrett Stidham, folks. Jarrett Stidham, you know how there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL over the last decade, who were excellent in college. They were excellent for about two seasons, two and a half seasons, and they were ready, and everyone was like, if they come out, they're a first-round pick. And then guys like Matt Barkley, like Connor Cook, uh, like Aaron Murray, and now Jarrett Stidham come out and go, you know what, we're going to come back and play another year of college football, which makes no sense, by the way. Matt Barkley went back for an extra year. He ended up he went from a, being a first round pick to a fourth round pick, and he's been a backup for seven years. Okay, he barely plays, and when he does play, he's awful. Okay, uh, Connor Cook was electric at Michigan State. He was great. Everyone loved Connor Cook, and everyone projected him, saying, "Okay, if he comes out of the draft now, he's a first round, maybe early second round pick." Good development of a franchise quarterback. Okay, then he goes to college for an extra year. Has a slightly worse season. Comes out, goes from being a first-round pick to a fourth-round pick, and he has made one NFL start in four years and has played a total of two games. You don't even... People, NFL fans nowadays don't even remember Connor Cook. At one point, that guy was going to change a franchise. But now, no, you don't even hear of him. His career, two touchdowns, four interceptions, two games, one start, 0-1 record. That's it. No one's touching Connor Cook. Aaron Murray, same exact thing back in 20, I believe it was 13. Everyone believed in, in Aaron Murray. It was 2014. He was going to be a first-round pick in 2013, and everyone was going to go gaga over Aaron Murray out coming out of the University of Georgia. Decided to go back to school for another year, wasn't as good, came out, ended up being a fifth-round pick, and he has never played in an NFL game. He's not even in the league anymore. You don't even know who Aaron Murray is, and it's because he spent an extra year. Jarrett Stidham was going to be a first-round pick. People were talking about being the number one pick in 2018 over Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Everyone was crazy over Jarrett Stidham. His first uh, two years at uh, Baylor and Auburn, 30 touchdown passes, 8 interceptions, completion percentage at like 67 and a half, and everyone was crazy about his mechanics. Came back for another year, and, well, his yards per throw went way down. His completion percentage went way down. His yards went way down. And his passer rating went down by 14 points. Instead of a first-round pick, he became a fourth-round pick, and he played in one game last year, and... That's what happens when you're a quarterback in the NFL. you got to come out at the right time. Baker Mayfield came out at the right time. I don't think Baker Mayfield's a top-notch quarterback after a couple of years, but he came out at the right time and ended up being number one overall. Matt Barkley, Connor Cook, Aaron Murray, Jarrett Stidham, those guys came out so late, they, and their draft, their draft stock took a huge hit, and their NFL careers became non-existent. No one took a chance on fourth or fifth-round picks. No one does. You gotta have. You gotta get seriously good luck to be in a position to play after being a fourth or a fifth round pick quarterback in the NFL. So Jarrett Stidham played backup quarterback to Tom Brady last year. Off the bench, two out of four, 14 yards, no touchdowns, and an, inter in, and an interception against the Jets that went for a pick six to Jamal Adams. And in that game. New England was blowing him out. They put in Jarrett Stidham. He threw that pick six, and they put Brady back in after Stidham threw the pick six. And they're about to put him in as their franchise quarterback over even Cam Newton. They're still saying Cam Newton's not guaranteed anything. Well, why not? Cam Newton 
is an MVP. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's won playoff games. And Jarrett Stidham's thrown four NFL passes and is a former fourth-round quarterback. And you're going to put Jarrett Stidham in over Cam Newton? You're going to even put Jarrett Stidham in over Brian Hoyer? Jarrett Stidham, three appearances in the NFL. One game where he's thrown passes, he's thrown four NFL passes. He's making under $700,000 this year. That's not an NFL salary. That's a good salary in the real world. But he's an NFL quarterback. About a play... It could potentially be a starting quarterback for one of the 32 NFL teams. Brian Hoyer is making $1.05 million this year, and they're going to start him, Stidham, over Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer has made 38 starts and 69 games played. He's 16-22 and 22 as a starter, 10,000 yards, 52 touchdowns, 34 picks, played for a wide variety of teams. From 2013 to 2015, Brian Hoyer was 15-10 and 10 as a starter for two bad organizations, the Browns and the Texans. Brian Hoyer, in his career with Cleveland, went 10-6 and six with the Browns. With Mike Pettin as his head coach and Rod Chudzinski. He did that with them. And you're going to start Jared Stidham over him? Now he's got Bill Belichick. Cam Newton, MVP. Three-time Pro Bowler. Super Bowl quarterback. It took Peyton Manning to beat Cam Newton in the Super Bowl that year. The all-time leading rushing touchdown leader in the history of NFL quarterbacks. And you're going to start Jarrett Stidham over him? I don't understand that. I don't get... Some NFL teams think that they're too smart. Bill Belichick is always... I think he's the greatest coach ever, but I think he's always tried to be a little bit too smart, saying, you know what, I'm going to bench this running back that really, really performed for me last week because he was late to a team meeting. I'm going to prove that I don't need him. Oh, Cam Newton's great. Tom Brady was great. I'm going to come out and prove that Jarrett Stidham's better. You're going to really start Jarrett Stidham over Cam Newton? Were you going to start, if Tom Brady had stayed, were you going to still start Jarrett Stidham over Tom Brady? Exactly. Some teams just try to be way too cute. Never works. It never makes any sense. So... That's my thought. Cam Newton should start week one for New England. I think it's a great sign for New England. I think Cam Newton, it's fine. It's not a great fit. I think it's all about fit in the NFL, and Cam Newton's not a terrific fit. They don't, I mean, Tom Brady and Cam Newton play two completely different types of football. The Patriots were going to go 4-12 and with Jarrett Stidham, at best. Maybe 5-11. and But they were going to be a really bad football team with Jarrett Stidham. I see them now as a 9 or 10 win team. I think they go to the playoffs. Potentially as a wild card, but I still think they have an outside shot to win the AFC East. That's how good uh, and how much of an upgrade Cam Newton is over Jarrett Stidham. And the coaching staff in New England still somewhat wants Stidham to start over Cam. Whatever. you can. Uh, Patriots can do that if they want. I'm fine. Cam Newton's the same guy that back in the mid-2010s won three straight division titles for a lousy franchise in the Panthers. <laughs> okay. Whatever, everybody. So, uh, last but not least, I've sort of been reading a lot of stories about, in the offseason, everyone was talking about Tom Brady and Tom Brady's free agency, and there were debates about whether or not Tom Brady would go to San Francisco, and if he did, would Kyle Shanahan be willing to part with Jimmy Garoppolo to acquire Tom Brady? Now, I've been an on-and-off fan of Jimmy Garoppolo during his six-year career in the NFL. I think he's talented. I think he's got an underrated arm. Uh, and I think he's got underrated accuracy. And I think he's got a very nice skill set. And I think he's perfect for that team. I think the 49ers play football that is catered to Jimmy Garoppolo. Not aggressive, but when he is, he likes to throw to wide-open guys, and the Niners are always open downfield. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is good. And I think, I'm going to go as far as to say, I think he's a top 10, maybe top 8 quarterback in this league as of this past season. Took a team to a Super Bowl. Okay, what else do you want from him? He had a 10-point lead over Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl before Kyle Shanahan decided to ruin things again. Or else Jimmy Garoppolo is a champion, he's a Super Bowl MVP, and everyone's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Patrick Mahomes. Okay? I, I, I've been reading into why Kyle Shanahan would have wanted to dump Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think I figured it out. We love our coaches. We love our coaches. Coaches are our favorite. Bill Belichick is the reason the Patriots won. Not Tom Brady. I think that. But a lot of other people think that for the wrong reasons. Oh, 
Patrick Mahomes is good, but he's even better because he's got Andy Reid. Okay. Uh, J Alex Smith is good, but he's had Jim Harbaugh and Andy Reid, and they've made him look awfully good. Okay, fine. Whatever. We love our coaches. Uh, did you know that in Bill Walsh's first season in San Francisco, without Joe Montana, he was 2-14? and 14? Bill Walsh is a genius! Oh, okay. Without Alex, without Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid was a good coach. He went to the playoffs with Alex Smith, and they were looking like a good offense. In 2014, Andy Reid's offense didn't throw one touchdown pass to a wide receiver. Is that Andy Reid's fault? He just didn't have the right quarterback. He gets Patrick Mahomes, boom, back-to-back -back AFC title appearances, they win a Super Bowl as quarterbacks, the MVP, and people are calling him the best quarterback alive. Huh. It's almost like Andy, and now everyone's obsessed with Andy Reid. He's the best coach in the in football. Were we saying were we keeping that same energy three years ago when he had Alex Smith? No, we weren't. He was a good coach, but he wasn't amazing like he is now. Bill Belichick was fired by the Cleveland Browns. He made the playoffs once in five years, had a losing record against division opponents, and then he got Tom Brady and he won six Super Bowls. Pete Carroll was about to get fired from his third organization, and then he lucked into having Russell Wilson. Then he's won two conference titles and a Super Bowl title. But we love our coaches. It's all Pete Carroll. It's all Andy Reid. It's all Bill Belichick. It's all Bill Walsh. It's all of this. <clears throat> and, we, and we are so, so quick to go crazy over Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, offensive genius. Everything he touches works. Oh, my gosh. Did you know that without Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan's been a head coach in the NFL for three seasons going on four. His record is 20, including the playoffs, 25 and 26 as an NFL head coach. He's a genius. Okay. He's a genius who in his career is a game under 500 all time, two games under 500 in the regular season. Oh, but Jake, listen to this stat. This stat floored me. Without Jimmy Garoppolo, in three years, Kyle Shanahan's record as a head coach is 4-21. and 4-21, and 21 with four wins, 21 losses, without Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a top five or top six quarterback. He's an absolute commodity. He's perfect. For that roster, he's perfect for that offensive scheme. He's perfect. The other quarterbacks that have started for Kyle Shanahan in the last three years, Brian Hoyer, C.J. Beathard, and Nick Mullins. Those guys combined have gone 4-21 and under Kyle Shanahan. But he's a genius! Oh my goodness! Kyle Shanahan's a genius! Without his quarterback, he's 4-21 and in 25 games. I, I don't know what to tell you. One of those losses, Jimmy G played in the first half. And it was against the Chiefs with Mahomes. And Jimmy G got injured and C.J. Beathard played the rest of the game. I count that as a loss without Garoppolo because he played half the game without him. And he lost. 4-21. and 21. Can you believe? With Jimmy G, he's, his fortunes are different. He's 21 and 6. <laughs> he's 21 and 6. Excuse me, 21 and 5. He's 21 and 5 when Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. When he's not, he's 4 and 21. He falls apart. Even Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, including the postseason, 14 and 6 record in 20 games without Tom Brady. He even won an AFC championship game without Tom Brady once. <laughs> and he's won plenty of playoff games where Tom Brady has played like garbage. Jimmy Garoppolo plays like garbage. They can't figure anything on offense out. Without him, they can't figure out how to win games. And we're and we're so quick to call Kyle Shanahan an absolute boy wonder. Is he look? Kyle Shanahan has had Jimmy Garoppolo for the equivalent of almost two seasons, and they have an excellent his first full year with Jimmy G. They went they almost won the Super Bowl. Just so you know how, how perfect Jimmy G fits the 49er system. One year, almost won it all. And let me just tell you, 4-21 without your starting quarterback is abysmal. Especially when your starting quarterback is not a, is a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL. 
if you had if Andy Reid had Mahomes and and Mahomes got hurt and Andy Reid went six and six without Mahomes, that's not very good for Andy Reid. For Jimmy G, uh, for Kyle Shanahan, that's awesome. He's staying afloat without him. But Andy Reid's got higher expectations. So without his quarterback and he loses, oh gosh, he can't coach anymore. Bill Belichick when he loses without Brady, oh Belichick can't coach anymore. He, it's all Brady. Kyle Shanahan loses without Garoppolo. No one's saying anything. Why not? Duke can't win without his starter. Oh, but he, but they got they score a lot of points. They've got a lot of yards, and they their defenses aren't good. Okay, in twelve years running an offense, either as an offensive coordinator or a head coach, Kyle Shanahan has had a top five offense in yards five times out of twelve, and top five offense in points just three times out of twelve. His offenses have ranked in the twenties on four or five different occasions in his twelve years. He's a genius. Everything he touches works. He's at, in 2016, Matt Ryan was the MVP. Oh, he, they went to a Super Bowl and it was all Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan's not good enough. Okay. Yes. In 2016, Matt Ryan was the MVP of the National Football League. He threw 38 touchdowns, seven picks, and threw for a whole bunch of yards. He threw for 4,900 yards, 56 short of 5,000. He was incredible, an all-pro MVP, almost won Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. And Kyle Shanahan gets all the credit. Did he go out there and play? Did he go out there and complete almost 70% of his passes? Kyle Shanahan was the same offensive coordinator in Atlanta in 2015, the year before, that saw Matt Ryan go 8-8, eight and eight, complete 4% less of his passes, 21 touchdowns, 16 picks, and 400 less yards. But Kyle Shanahan was the same guy. Some some guys just catch lightning in a bottle. Matt Ryan in 2016 caught lightning in a bottle. He was unstoppable. It had nothing to do with Kyle Shanahan. It had some. I shouldn't say nothing. It had some. The coaching staff gets some credit for Matt Ryan looking like an MVP out there. But Matt Ryan was the guy making that thro those throws, those pinpoint accurate throws. He was the guy leading the league in touchdown percentage and yards per attempt and passer rating. And that was him. That was Matt Ryan. He's the guy that went out there and went 11-5 and five and took an organization that's not great to almost beating the best organization in football in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan almost did that. But we give Kyle Shanahan all the credit. But why didn't they win that Super Bowl? Atlanta almost beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, San Francisco almost beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl. But why didn't they? Who did we blame both times? It was Kyle Shanahan, most overrated coach in football. Kyle Shanahan, responsible for the two biggest Super Bowl collapses ever. They were up 28 to 3 with the waning minutes of the third quarter against New England. You've got you've got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in a 25-point hole and you can't finish the deal. It's inexcusable. The Patriots have another ring because of Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan decided, because he's arrogant and because he's pompous, came out and said, oh, we are going to throw the football because that's our strength. And if they beat it, you know, we're going to run up the score on these guys. And I know I get all the credit, so if we score 50 on New England on Belichick's defense, I'll get all the credit. I'll get a head coaching And they threw the ball, and they got sacked, and they threw incompletions. They had offensive holdings, and guess what? They blew at the game. It's the biggest collapse in the biggest game ever. And it was Kyle Shanahan's fault because he wanted to show off how great he was and he ended up showing off how stupid he was. He was trying to out-coach Bill Belichick. This past year, he was trying to out-coach Andy Reid. Up by 10, you could just run the ball. You could just sit on the ball and the Chiefs would have no time to come back. Just like in Atlanta four years ago. They could have sat on the ball. The Patriots would have had no chance to come back on them. But Kyle Shanahan wanted to keep throwing because guess what? I'm the best offensive mind out there. If we keep throwing, we're going to keep getting yards. And if we keep getting yards, then I'm going to look better. And everyone's going to talk about me, 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 me. And guess what happened? 49ers left way too much time for the Chiefs. And Kansas City came back and won the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. That's how it happened. 
when you, tr Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not like he went out there, it's not like Kyle Shanahan went out there and tried to outcoach Jay Gruden. It's not like he was like, all right, I'm in the Super Bowl, I'm going to outcoach Jay Gruden. I'm going to outcoach uh, Bill O'Brien. I'm going to outcoach, something like that. I'm going to go try and outcoach um, whoever you want to say that's a bad coach in the NFL. Dirk Cutter, whoever. He, he was trying to outcoach the two best coaches in football, and he failed miserably, and he got embarrassed both times. He, di he didn't lose to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He didn't lose to Andy Reid and the Chiefs. He got flat out embarrassed by them. He's responsible for the two biggest Super Bowl chokes ever. He's had a top five offense in yards five times and in points three times, and he's 4-21 and without a starting quarterback. If it weren't for Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan would have been fired by now. He's the most overrated coach in the NFL. Every time he's gone to a, a city that he used to coach in, like the Redskins or the Texans or the Browns, all he can talk about is how much he hated his time there and how much he was mistreated given his talent there. Look, he's the most he's really the least likable guy in the league. And he's not a very good coach. He's an over he's a good coach. He's an overrated coach. Jimmy Garoppolo is a is a routinely underrated quarterback in this league. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a Jimmy G truther. I don't think he's great. I think there's a lot of ways he could be better, but I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. And I think Kyle Shanahan's not nearly as good as people give him credit for. So anyway, that's a lot of rants for today about Cam and about Kyle Shanahan and about the new name of Washington's football team and how they're going to change it from the Redskins. But uh, yeah, so anyway... Uh, the Redskins name change will be prominently put on the news, so as that continues, I'll probably keep talking about it, and uh, that is enough for today. Um, yep, that is it. I will see you guys next time, and until the next time, you've been listening to The Judava Show, and I'm your host, Jacob Valliere. I will talk to you next time.